Welcome to episode 13 of the Party Wagon Podcast. We talk about all things TMNT, past, present, and future. I'm your host, Brendan, from the YouTube channel, Brendan's Rambles. And I'm Eric from the YouTube channel, Know You Grow Up. And we have some of the biggest news we've had in a long time. So just recently, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cereal got put in stores. That's big. That's big. They haven't had that since 89, I think, right? (laughs) Yeah. It is kind of just awesome because, again, I, I can't remember past releases if we've gotten anything like this, but I don't know. I feel like when you get a cereal, you're doing something right. I feel like they're really <laughs> trying to get back out there in the public eye again. That's how you can tell we're like 80s babies because in our mind, it's like, oh, you got a cereal? You're a franchise that's got it made because we remember like, you know, Nintendo cereal system and uh, the TMNT cereal and the swedish chef crunchy stars and all that stuff yeah the cereal uh i don't think i'd like it because i looked at it and it looks like pops and i think pops are disgusting (laughs) so not only that it's pops with marshmallows and i so i still eat a ton of cereal like it's why a bowl of cereal i ate one right before i started this like i eat at least one bowl of cereal every day and i still really like the kids sugary cereals like i still love tricks and fruity pebbles and cookie crisp and all that stuff But the one thing that I have definitely lost touch with is marshmallows. I don't know what it is, but I just don't enjoy them as much as I used to. I bought a box of Lucky Charms when they had those special boxes where you could just get all the marshmallows. And I brought them home and I'm like, I'm going to make the greatest bowl of cereal I've ever had in my entire life. So it was like 75% marshmallows. And I was extremely disappointed. Like it really like crushed my soul how disappointed I was. Did you feel sick afterwards? (laughs) No, because I eat like crap. So I have a gut of steel. Like every weekend, I probably consume a thousand grams of sugar easily. (laughs) I eat a lot of crap too. But no, fruity pebbles are freaking awesome. Fruity and cocoa pebbles. Cocoa pebbles. Usually chocolate cereals are disappointing. They're not, they don't really taste like chocolate, but cocoa pebbles are, are top tier. Cocoa Pebbles, then then Count Chocula. Count Chocula is, you know, that's great stuff. I feel like they're almost the same. Aren't they both just chocolate Rice Krispies pretty much? No, Count Chocula is like little bats. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I haven't had Count Chocula in years, so I can't even tell you. It has marshmallows also, actually, like little chocolate-flavored marshmallows. But usually the marshmallows are gross. But, uh, yeah, Pops and Kicks, like, oh, those things grossed me out as a kid. They're like just corn-flavored balls. And it's like just throwing throwing marshmallows, and there's actually grosser. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't look for me. I will get a bowl. I will eat oh, yeah. it just because it exists, but I'm not looking <laughs> super forward to it. I still want to get a box to hang on to just for the hell of it. So yeah, I was gonna, I actually want to get a box of like the vintage turtle cereal that I used to eat. That was that was garbage too. It was like checks with like a bunch of little crap thrown in it. Which I don't like checks either. Um, but yeah, if this is good, like, like if I like the new movie, I'll just keep the box and put it in my room or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But speaking of Mutant Mayhem, um, there is some actual really big news for Mutant Mayhem. Uh, not like super official. It's kind of been like thrown around. Like it is official, but like they're not making a big, big announcement about it. I guess not until after the movie comes out. But there is going to be an animated TV series or like streaming series based on the world of Mutant Mayhem. And that's what that, uh, you know, uh, trademark was they put in for the name... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the next chapter that everyone thought was going to be the name of Mutant Mayhem is like, uh. that. we think that's actually the name of this show. So. Yeah. And I had heard like, even back in the, like before this movie had like even gotten shown, I heard rumors that they 
basically had a couple villain movies planned for Those think, still um, yeah. yeah and i think um they're going to uh paramount plus know, yeah and then that's what i heard is if everything went well that kind of was the ultimate plan if this went well to make it the next ongoing series yeah yeah they said the villain movies are still happening and the animated series is happening so like if this movie bombs, they'll probably cancel a lot of those things. But um, if it's a big success or even a moderate success, I think it's safe to say these will be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for Generation Z. I definitely think so. I, I This, I mean, I can't even remember back when the Michael Bay movies were coming out really well, but I, I don't remember there being as much public talk about it as there is now. Like, I feel like everybody was more so just like how much Bay was changing the turtles is what a lot of the news was about, but it's all rage. Yeah. Yeah. With this, it just seems like excitement coming from almost all angles. Cause I'm pretty sure there was also just a test screening that wasn't the full movie, but it was a huge chunk of it. And apparently it reviewed so well that they brought the director in for the standing ovation or oh, whatever. Wow. So yeah. I didn't hear I, about that. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard that from, but it wasn't the full movie, but it was a huge chunk of it or something like that. So, and again, just based off this trailer, like the full trailer that it showed, like I said, I was very skeptic before that last trailer. And after seeing that last trailer, I'm like, okay, like I'm feeling this. Like it, it brought me from just being like, I'm excited because there's a turtle movie coming out to I'm excited because I think this is going to be a good turtle movie. Yeah, I think it's also very smart of them to make the animated the current animated series running the movies running and everything all the same universe and same art style and same type of turtles because that was a problem with a lot of past versions of the turtles is like the 1991 was you know it was very different from the 87 cartoon but it was close enough where it felt like there was a synergy between the two of them and even then like toka and razar showed up in the cartoon and stuff and um but in you know 2003 and tmnt 2007 which we'll talk about later those had no synergy whatsoever and then worst of all i mean when you had the 2012 cartoon you had the michael bay movies which like absolutely no synergy whatsoever between no. the two of them and then rise had no synergy with the bay movies either so like you just had like three scattered versions of the turtles in uh you know video form at that time so i think getting back to like the movies even if the cartoon show the animation isn't quite as good as the movie which i don't expect it to be that that style those versions of the turtles being the same throughout i think that will be a good idea because then it will get you know kids familiar with these characters across all different versions where i think a lot of kids who liked the 2012 cartoon probably didn't like the bay movies because they were like oh what where's this where's that why doesn't don like april why like what what's like where's all this stuff from the 2012 cartoon like who the hell are you know these turtles so i think that they they they're doing a good job by keeping it all like you know one universe yeah i I think that is a really smart play and the 2012 to michael bay movies is a really good like comparison because i can't think of like two more opposite turtles (laughs) that were going on at the same time and you're right when we were a kid even though like the cartoon turtles were different from the movie turtles, it all felt like our turtles. You know what I mean? To where I feel like the Michael Bay turtles really were an attempt to be adult turtles and it wasn't really made for kids. So I feel like it, it really wasn't, it it really was kind of splitting the camps, even though nobody really liked the Bay movies a whole lot anyway. But like, I feel like this will get everybody together because it's going to be for everybody. It's going to be made towards kids, but it should hit, 
that nostalgia that we're all looking for in the right way. And I mean, even though it's not going to be our turtles, like I, I do really have really high hopes that maybe I could get my second favorite turtles now at this point. So that'd be cool. I, I think you're right. I think it's a good idea bringing the whole shebang together, action figures, movies. And if they did a video game for the, yeah, I mean, fourth angle, that would be great too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely not to get too hung up on the Bay movies. That's a really good point is that like the first one didn't feel like it was really being made for kids at all. And no. then the second one, the tone was very much for kids, but all the references were for people in their thirties and forties. So it was yeah. like, I don't think like adults thought the second one was too stupid to get into. And then kids just didn't get it. Cause like they didn't grow up with the 87 cartoon. So yeah, like it, it, they definitely need some brand recognition all the, all across the board, and I think that's what they're doing. And I commend them for that. Good job. Yeah, totally agree. I'm again, I'm very, I'm happy with what we're seeing now because, and I'm glad too because when we first started this podcast, that's a lot of what we were talking about is like, what is the future of turtles? What is Playmates doing? What is the next cartoon that's coming? And very rapidly, we're figuring it all out, and it seems well thought out. It seems like a very strategized play, like. It was really surprising to me how early they bailed on Rise. Like that to go two seasons and then a movie was very shocking. You know what I mean? And I mean, I feel like there had to have been years of work put into that series, probably more than what it lasted for. So I'm glad in this interim they haven't just been sitting around doing nothing. Like it really does seem like they've been working hard to make a valiant attempt to bring Turtles back. Yeah, for sure. And it almost seems like. You know, the the Bay series was supposed to be a, a trilogy at least, and that got a hard reset. Rise was supposed to be the new iteration of Turtles, and that got a hard reset. It seems like this new version, the Mutant Mayhem verse, I guess we'll call it, uh, it seems like this was like a very calculated a- approach because they were like, okay, we had to just cut the movie short, cut the animated series short because they weren't working, they weren't getting fans. Uh, to you know, go on, come on board, and I know Front Rise has its fans, and I know there's like a couple Platinum Dunes fans out there, but like, um, I think like they 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 realize like we need to come up with something that will really succeed for Turtles, and it seems like this big like you know triple threat of toys, movies, and animated series that are all in this one universe, and again, like you said, like tailor made to appeal to kids and old fans. It seems like. They really they took some time to just kill whatever they were working on and just really reevaluate what makes the brand popular and what people like from it. And I think when they saw a bunch of us 30 something, 40 something year old fans going freaking nuts, buying all these Super 7 and NECA figures of these characters that they probably didn't think anyone remembered, they were probably like, okay, that that's a big selling point. That's our older audience. That's who we have to appeal to with our older audience. And then, you know younger audiences just you know, look at what popular kids movies are out i don't know maybe they maybe they watched minions rise of Gru and they're like we got to do that but um <laughs> they, although i think they watched spider verse and they said we got to do that that's what it feels like but oh with, without a doubt that is 100 like i would say the biggest inspiration for the style of this movie like there's no yeah. question about it and that's fine because i i enjoyed that style very much and i don't mind like they're kind of trying to jack their swagger a little bit there like it doesn't really bother me because again it's turtles i'm happy they're doing something great like that and i think you're right i think like 
I think Viacom woke up by this turtles resurgence that's basically been led by people in their mid to late 30s to early 40s. Like I yeah. think turtle sales for the last three years probably were more than the 10 years before it put together by a long shot. Like I'd say and so, I, I think they realize that's what's driving it. And like you said, it's it's the perfect time because most normal, well-adjusted adults have kids that are about the right ages to see this movie, even though we don't. Yeah. A lot of people do. So it's a great time for everybody that's in the peak of this nostalgia and this excitement to really push it on their kids. And something I'm thinking about as we're talking about this right now, it's going to be a really big bummer if a bunch of adults just buy all the action figures off the <laughs> shelves and kids can't get them. And then it turns into a situation where like, all the kids get bummed on it because they can't get any of the toys they want. That might happen. That's kind of the world we live in now. But <laughs> because I don't know. Really- I, I think judging on like what, you know, they did that new CG He-Man and the Masters of the Universe show on Netflix. Not the yeah. Kevin Smith thing, the uh, the one aimed towards kids yep. where it was like very different. Those toys were very abundant and they like they were all over store shelves. So like, I, I don't think... I don't think that this new version is going to sell out that much unless like kids, unless adults really like the movie. Um, I don't know. Cause turtles and toys have always just gone hand in hand. So I don't know. I really can't tell, but um, we'll I, I'm optimistic. I think they will be on store shelves, well-stocked all summer at least. So here's the other thing about that. So the masters of the universe in the toy aisle alone, they had, the CGI show, they had Motu Origins, and they had yep. the Masterverse figures. Yeah. So adults were kind of picking at that other stuff, and the other stuff is aimed towards kids. And same with Hasbro. Like, Hasbro has Marvel Legends, but they also have, like, the cheaper, more kid-oriented toys to where Playmates, like, everybody's going to want the same Playmates figures. So that's, like, the yeah. one area where I could see the overlap really being a problem. I, the only way I would be optimistic is uh, Playmates keeps reissuing classic figures. I've been buying a bunch of them and keeping them boxed. I have like Wingnut and Leatherhead and Crane. They're hard to resist, that. aren't they, man? Yeah. <laughs> when I see them there, I'm just like, you know what? I, I can't not. Buy it's this. exactly it's the magic. Just the <laughs> just seeing it there in 2023, exactly how it was in 1989. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just. So I got a bunch of them. I got all the storage shell turtles. Told, I knew it was gonna happen. Man. I got Mikey like right over, right over, right over there. Yeah, those they keep stocking those. While it seems like a lot of collectors are buying those, then you know, not in the same aisle, but just you know, twenty feet down by the collector section, you've got like five different series of collector turtles figures going on now. So, yeah, I don't know. There is a lot of turtles figures to buy out there between like you know, uh, best action uh, uh, turtles figures that keep coming out and. You know, the, this one pick your 17 NECA toy figure, like uh, toy lines that are coming out for turtles, and then uh, usually don't carry Super Seven, but the Super Seven uh reaction figures are usually in like targets and stuff. Yep, so uh, there's a lot of turtles to collect right now. I can see a lot of older fans being like my initial reaction to the Meat and Mayhem ones and being like, I don't like that Rocksteady design, I'm not buying that toy and stuff. So, like maybe some of those toys will be available for the kids. Cause like a lot of adults might just be like, this isn't my rock steady. And like, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic, but you're right. They could just sell out immediately. And 
it could just end up being like nothing but like the four turtles all for the rest of like the year or something. Well, the other thing here is they're going to be everywhere. And this is the first time the Turtles line has really just been all everywhere because it's it's really weird how it's released because it seems like Walmart and Target get a lot of the same stuff, but the way Amazon gets it is a lot different. Like they'll get stuff in like the four packs. Like they usually just don't get like the single releases, which is really weird. Yeah. And I feel like with this line, you probably will be able to get these single pack figures on Amazon. And if they're on Amazon, I imagine, I mean, they're going to be doing 100,000 turtle figures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, just by the fact that we have such a stacked cast of mutants in this movie alone, and then we're getting an animated series out of it and movies for these mutants and stuff, it's like, this is going to be a long toy line if this is successful. Like, if, th- if this sells well, I could see this going on for a very long time. Yeah, which... it that's always been the beauty of this like what am i saying property is that the toy line in the movie thrive together and then i feel like they fail together as well you know what i mean (laughs) like it's very it's got to be right up there with the biggest synergy between running toy line and running animated series like i feel like they both go strong until they don't like the 2012 line went pretty deep that show went five seasons which i mean is pretty good the yeah. 2003 show that went for a long time, but I don't feel like the toy line really kept up that long, did it? They did had it go as long they, as the series ran. They had to because they were fast forward toys. Yeah, I knew there that, but it seems like that action figure line just isn't as deep as even the 2012 line. But it ran for so much longer. I've never really thought about that. I think the thing is that like they they just didn't make as many unique characters for that line. Like there was like only some very key characters like fugitoid and like shredder and, and stuff like that. But aside from that, it was just like the turtles like over and over again. Um, so I think that would, that kind of either a killed it or just made me not pay as much attention to how long it went on. Cause it was just the same, you know, characters over and over again, but I'm, I'm pretty sure when they did uh, back to the sewer, which was like after rewind, like the last season, the one where they yep. gave them like pupils and they looked stupid. Um, that one, I, I don't, I could be wrong. I don't think that had any action figures that season. I, th- I think because okay. the toy line was dead. The sh- I mean, let's face it. The show was dead. Like they made another season, but that was just cause like they, they had enough money left over. <laughs> like there was, the show was dead at that point. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think like, uh, I think what you're saying is true. Usually when the toy line washes up, the cartoon washes up. I mean, it, even our, our toy line, you know, the vintage playmates is like, like I said in my Turtle Talk videos, when you get to like wave five, uh, where you have like King Lionheart, Monty Moose and stuff, kids weren't, were kind of getting out of Turtles at that point. Those figures didn't sell as well. And we're getting less characters every wave and stuff. The cartoon coincidentally was like doing worse at that point. And uh, you, you get to like season six and season seven. And it's like most people our age didn't see those as kids. And uh, most people weren't buying the toys anymore then either. So it, it really is like they live as long as the other one. It's like a symbiotic relationship. So Yeah. But uh, speaking about action figures that do really well on their own, NECA is in the middle of one of their huge Target, Geek Out, whatever events that's going on right now. Here it comes and again. 
It's not quite as bad yeah. as the past ones. I feel like this one's going to be a little bit more manageable, especially if you're just worried about the tune figures because there's only a couple of them that have been released for, or dropped during this time. Yeah, we got the much-needed revamped April O'Neil, which I've seen people... All of these people have already been picking up. People have already been finding them. I haven't found them yet, but people are already finding these. Um, we got the revamped April O'Neil. We got Bugman and Electro Zapper, I believe his name is. Yep. Uh, we've got the roided-up Napoleon Bonafrog, and I think that's it. Well, we have some reissues. But uh, I think that's it for new figures. If I'm yeah, a pretty big reissue, too. So one of the most sought-after sets, it hit right when this line really started ramping up. And it was back when the targets would get, like, three, and then that's all they're going to see. And they weren't ever available it, you know? online at that point. And that was the only early set that I had to buy online. And I got it so early that the line hadn't really skyrocketed yet. But we have the Casey Jones, and I can't even remember is it. So the slash, foot, slash foot soldier. Yeah, I can't okay. remember which one comes with which. Um, it's the so one yeah, where the whole lid section is like taken out. It's just yeah. like a bar. Yeah. Yeah. So people are pretty excited about this because I would say Casey, even though in this series he's not quite the crucial character he is in other one, he's always a fan favorite. I think even though he wasn't, I think we all kind of made him a main character in our yeah. heads as kids. Like even in that cartoon, like. It actually surprised me when I grew up and, you know, got the DVDs and started rewatching the show. Like, he was only in, like, three episodes or what? I, he yeah. said more than that. But, like, in the first, like, I think, like, first, like, five seasons, he's only in, like, three episodes or something. And that, like, blew my mind. I was like, I, I remember this guy being in, like, every five episodes or something. Like, I, I just thought he was always, always there. Like, the neutrinos. Like, he was a very recurring, like, ally. But he really isn't. And, uh... That's the only iteration of the turtles where he isn't, but he is such a major character. And I think that's the thing too. The same way we, we treat Usagi, like he's such a major, you know, vintage character, even though he was in two episodes. Right. Um, we just like, we always make Casey a major character in our heads. He was one of the first, like, you know, wave two action figures we all got mostly. So uh, yeah, he's a big deal. And you were awesome enough to find one in the wild and pick it up and uh because i don't have one so uh you know we're gonna work that out where you know i send you the money and you send it over this way and all and that's gonna be awesome i'll finally have casey jones because right my only way of getting casey without buying him online for ridiculous prices was there's a toy store like a vintage toy store somewhat near me like a couple towns away uh they're just a bunch of crooks they just they just slap an extra hundred on everything they have pretty much they were selling that for like $200, like the yeah. two pack. Like, or you could get them alone without the foot soldier for 150 It's like, that's a way worse deal, actually. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be very happy to get them. Thanks for picking them up. So. Yeah, no problem. He's a great figure. And, yeah, it's awesome that it's one of those things where it almost seemed like it was lost hope at this point. They put out the yeah. new April, so it seemed like we were just going to get a new Casey or something like that, but I don't even think this was announced at all. Nobody saw this one coming, and they are dated 2023, so it's not like it's back stock that they've just been hanging on to and they're just trickling out now. They made a whole new run for this, so good on NECA for listening to the fans and getting that set back out there that people really wanted, because again, there's not a lot of sets that are selling for $200. There's that one, and then there was the April one, and those are pretty much it for the original sets. And speaking of that April figure, 
when we saw the promo images, she definitely looked like her neck was pretty damn long. But as people are starting to get it in hand, everybody's saying it looks much better in hand. And I feel like they just weren't really taking a lot of flattering angles before because I haven't really seen too many pictures to where I'm like, damn, her neck does look really long in those. She looks good. She looks damn good. She looks she looks like she jumped out of the cartoon, which is like probably the first time I can say that for a, a, a female figure in this line. Cause like usually they, they're the weakest ones, but I don't really see any flaws in it. Some people are saying it's like the same body and just a new head, but I don't, I think it's a completely new body. Cause Oh, it definitely is. It's like taller and leaner. I feel she's like way more built too. Like she is, yeah. she's built. <laughs> so, and that's how she looked in the cartoon. She was, you know, she was, a, she was yeah. a big woman. So, um, it looks like a totally different body. I think she's just a completely new sculpt. Maybe like her wrists are the same or something, but like for the most part, I think she's a totally new figure and it looks really good. I, I actually hope this is, I mean, not that there's really no female figures, a uh, female characters left really major ones, but I just, I hope this is a, a you know, a, a sign of how they will do female figures in the future. But uh, I think we got all the major female characters from turtles actually. So yeah, there's one that we don't have. The one that they'll never give us. Who's that? You brought it up before. Um, oh, What's oh her name? Uh, Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah, she yeah, looks fine the way she already was, though. <laughs> and then I also have a sneaking suspicion that we'll get um, Zach's cousin, Caitlin. Oh, God. I, I, just, I just have a feeling oh, she gets dropped Sunday when they're running this line bone dry. Like, I can see that one coming. You said Red Sky it was your falling off point. That's my falling <laughs> off point. <laughs> if they make her, I'm done. Like, nah, you're scraping the bottom of the shitter now. So, And see, what's funny is I have fonder memories for her. I shouldn't say fond. I have stronger memories for her than annoying. I do Electro Zapper, who's coming in this Bugman yeah. set. And it's really weird because I remember Bugman, but I don't remember Electro Zapper from that episode at all. Yeah, I don't either because... I know like we've both seen the episode. Uh, like I said, it's not one I'm overly familiar with. I mean, you probably saw it more because you probably had the VHS. Well, tape. so that's the only one of the four that I didn't have. Oh, the Mikey okay. one was the only one I didn't have. I uh because to be honest, years ago, like about a decade ago, I got like the 87 series uh Monopoly. They made like a Monopoly game for it. And they have these little hero cards that are like it's community chest basically, but it says like an ally is helping you. And one of them mentioned Bugman, and I didn't remember who he was. I'm like, who the fuck is Bugman? <laughs> and then, like, years later, I, I was, like, you know, re-watching the show again, and I got to the episode Michelangelo beats Bug- meets Bugman, and I saw him, I'm like, oh, that dude, that weird-ass-looking, like, <laughs> blonde buff surfer dude with a mosquito face. But uh, I didn't, like, remember him at all by name. But when I saw him, I remembered him from my childhood. But this guy, El- Electro Zapper, I, again, I've seen the episode. I just, I, I don't remember him. This is not an episode that sticks out to me a lot. I've probably only seen it like two or three times in my life. And I don't know. He's just like generic supervillain. So I think I probably didn't. Because there's so many episodes with generic alien villains or mobsters or something that like he just slid into that category of like, this is just like nameless bad guy of the week just so that Bugman has someone to fight. And this this guy like i'll get it because he comes in the two-pack but this guy does nothing for me <laughs> no exactly and i mean i'm gonna keep the line going because even though i remember jersey red very well it's not like that figure does a lot for me either <laughs> and i still have her so 
But the Bugman, the only thing I remember is I always liked the beginning of that episode because he talks about like Michelangelo is just really stoked on comics and like that's how because I think Bugman is a comic book, but he ends up being like a real life person or something like that. It was something and, like that, which is I'm similar. Sure, to, oh, I was gonna say it, similar to what they did with Wingnut and Screwloose in the 2012 cartoon, but yeah. And I can't remember what happens to him, but I remember it. I'm pretty sure it shows him transforming into Bugman. And that's really all I can remember from that episode. Yeah, because Bugman's like his superhero persona, but he has like a human persona also. So I don't know if he's going to come with an alt head like the human one. But he like buck something? He's buck well, because his buck is all because he's got wings and stuff. I bet he's not coming with it. No, I think his name. I think his name was literally Buck. I think. Oh, it was Buck! Like, yeah, this was a something. brick. I can't remember now. Brick, some something like the Buck Rogers. Rick Bradley. Brick Bradley. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. The Bugman is not a character I'm like overly familiar with, but I remember him enough, and he has a very cool design that I want him. But this Electro Zapper guy, like. You can only store so much stuff in this old freaking right. like <laughs> which is nice because I mean it really does show how awesome this line is that we're just now getting deep to where people who literally revolve way too much of their life around this stuff <laughs> are starting to get hit with stuff that they can't even remember. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered the the number one female character we haven't gotten that we need, Tempestra. Oh yeah, Doi. Yeah. yeah, and I guarantee she's coming here soon because she's got they, to be. Yeah, I mean, the, she's the only Knight of the Rogues character they haven't done, and they put out in the um, accessory set, the little TV screen has the game that Leonardo's playing Tempestus right. Revenge on it, so yeah. Yeah, the, the, she's got to be coming. I, I believe I heard that, like, one of the sculptors at NECA hates that character, but, like, you got to do her, man. Like, you've done... Oh, yeah. You can't do Jersey Red and not do Tempestus. Right? You can't right. do you know big nosed goon guy from be off rock city's gang and not do tempestra like come on like you got to do her because she's really one of the last two her and the maestro are kind of the last two that i really 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 want and then i'm like all right my childhood's pretty much complete now i'm getting to the point where i'm pretty complete honestly anyone else we get now is basically just a bonus like I got basically everyone that I think I'll I count any oh, of the weird aliens as a bonus. If we get any of yeah. those, I'd be happy. But for the most part, if the, if the three arm chubby ones or the six arm chubby ones don't get made, I'd like them, but I'll live if they don't. Uh, I forgot Ray and, and Murdude are my, I, I still need those guys. I don't think Murdude's going to happen because no one remembers him, but Ray might, again, I think they hate him, but like, you got to make him at some point. He's so memorable, but. Yeah, especially because he is just so off-brand. Like, he might be one of the most off-brand characters. Like, he just, like, talks like an idiot. Like, what's my name? Like, he's just such a... Yeah, he has, like, a Chicago accent. Right? Yeah, because, you know, I always remember, like, the the scientist guy who looks demented. He looks like a Simpsons character or something. The the scientist who made him. He turns, like, April into, like, a fish woman. And he's like, oh, she's beautiful, isn't she? And then, like, Ray is, like, in the corner with his arms crossing against the wall. He's like, yeah, she looks real swell, Pops, and, like, gives him a thumbs up. Like, what the, who the fuck is this, dude? Like, it's not at all what I imagined when I took my grateful A action figure out of its package. Like, but Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, too, but Murdude shows up pretty late in the series. Yeah. And I think the episode that he's in, Mikey's goes back and tells the other turtles, and they don't believe him for some reason. Have we <laughs> talked about this before? Did you bring this up yeah, before? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Because it's yeah, like... But- you guys have 
fought the weirdest fucking things in the world. You've met the weirdest fucking things in the world. You've met the literal Easter Bunny, and you don't believe Mike that he met. Can't a be the person who. Now I feel like we have had the same exact. Somebody's listening is like, you guys have had the same fucking conversation before. All right, so we'll change it up. When are we getting um, the Easter Bunny? We need the Easter Bunny. <laughs> well, I guess this is our segue. We said they didn't. They still haven't done Tempestra. Someone has. That was Shredder's Revenge, and Shredder's Revenge is getting an update soon. Yeah. So really, really, really exciting. They are showing, or they've already showed Usagi as a playable character, which out of everybody, he probably would have been my number one choice. So I'm very excited that's who they had up first. He's definitely the popular number one. After I after it came out and we got Casey and everyone was like, oh, they're going to keep adding characters. Everybody I talked to said Usagi. Everyone wanted Usagi. So I think it was very smart to get him immediately. I, I would I have my top three. Uh, I can't put Ray Filet in there because he would be Ray from the cartoon because that's what we're doing. We're doing 87 cartoons. So I, I like him, but I don't want him in the game. He could be a boss because he was a villain, I guess. But my top three, I guess, would be Mondo Gecko, Muckman, and Joe Eyeball. I think that would be a really interesting character where you could kind of have like strong, slow, far-range moves in the front. And then, like, fast, weak moves in the back from, like, Joe Eyeball on his back. I think that would be really fun. And then, obviously, my girl Mona Lisa. So, I think those three, three M's, those would be those would be my top three characters. I, I think Mondo Gecko is, like, a, like a sure bet. He's, he's going to get – everyone loves Mondo Gecko. He's yeah, I think he would be a strong one. Um, Mona Lisa, I could see going either way because it seems like they might want to put another female character in there because – to my surprise, April is one of the funnest characters to use. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it'd be cool if they did put like another like quick, fast, fun character like that in there. I wouldn't be mad about that at all. And that's the other thing I'm kind of curious about is like how the stats are going to play out because they pretty much have used like every combination of stats yeah. possible. So it'll be easy, interesting to see. I'm assuming you'll probably have like Leonardo's evenly two-star distribution if i had to guess maybe maybe he'll be a little faster and a little weaker i don't know okay that might be the thing because casey has a seven star so maybe they will give him a plus somewhere then too maybe yeah he would make sense then yeah maybe for the other female character we'll get 50 foot irma (laughs) (laughs) no i i don't think the neutrinos are going to be playable because they're tied to the story of of this dlc and another thing that's really cool so we're getting a new adventure we're getting like more levels and like more yeah like that's awesome I, i can't wait to see this game just keep continuing yeah um but also we got all these alt colors and costumes and stuff where you can have like movie colored splinter and like action figure colored turtles and all and like that is awesome I and mean, that's really cool yeah so they even had the skull cap raff i noticed that one really <laughs> stood that. out to me the cool one though is like splinter has like the gray robe and stuff like that yeah. like i'm really excited that exactly even just even things like that just little cosmetic changes that can just make it a little bit more fun and personal for each person that's playing it like i'm exactly like they're not just Giving like, oh, here's a new character. Oh, here's a new level. They're giving us everything to make the game a little bit better. And I wouldn't mind if they, I mean, didn't even worry about a number two and just kept going down the DLC route for like the next 10 years. I'd be happy with that. That's how I feel, honestly. That's how I think a lot of games kind of should be these days. I mean, it depends. I, I can see like from a platformer that just like start to finish, I can see just sequels. But a lot of these kinds of games, like group play games, like, you know, like where you get all your friends together and play them. A lot of them, I think, like, 
the days of just charging $60 for sequels over and over again is, are over. I think like you should yeah. really just, you don't make a sequel unless you're really just going to completely reinvent the engine and everything. So I, I think honestly, they should just keep adding to it. Cause I mean, I don't know how long this is going to be the uh, new adventure that we get. It might be like a third of the length of the original one, but if it's the same length, then we're essentially getting shredders revenge too, like already in this game. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, with all the added things, it would be an even better game than the first one, and it's really <laughs> just DLC. So in my head, for whatever reason, I'm guessing four levels. That's just what's, like, kind of coming to mind. I could see that happening. Like, I, I don't know, because I, I think how long, how many levels are in Dimension X when you're in there? It's probably about four, isn't it? I think it's more than that. That's a long game. Yeah. Uh, Maybe four. I think it's more like six. I, I could okay. be wrong. Right but I feel like it's going to be something like that where it might open up another like area where you can go on the map and then it teleports you somewhere else. Because it, it, What's it called? I can't remember. It's called... Uh, di- something about the dimension. Like dimension. Yeah. Should have looked this up before we did it. Right? That would make us good at our job. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something like dimensional shift or something. or uh, so It has some kind of like turtles. And... Dimension and shell shock, I think it's called. Yeah. I think it's something like that. Uh, yeah, it's like you open up, you're opening up a portal to other dimensions, which, you know, Donatello did all the time in the cartoon. <laughs> and you're going to these other dimensions. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what else we get. I can't wait to see the other characters we get. And I can't wait to, I don't know, when does it come out? I think it's at fall, I believe they said, September or. We really should have looked this up because I can't remember either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited because, you know, uh, it's, I can't believe this month it's been a year since it came out, Shredder's Revenge, and uh, that game just kicks ass. Man, I didn't even realize it's been out for a year. That's how like good it is, is that it's never like really been away from my conscience either. Like <laughs> I picked it up here and there and played it with someone like regularly over the last year. That's very crazy that it's been a year. Yeah, um, yeah well, really I guess we just replayed it for the show not too long ago too, so yeah. <laughs> That's the way games were when we were kids, though. Like, when a game was really good. Like, Mario 3. I got Mario 3. I, I I wouldn't play it nonstop, but I'd pick it up and replay it, like, so many times throughout the course of the whole years I had the NES. So, it's like, when a game's good, man, you can just keep going back to it. So, Treasure's Revenge is freaking good. Yeah, it's very exciting. And like you said, like, the, the way the art style in this, it's not like it needs to keep up to date with the technology of the hardware. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is like the art style is timeless. Like this will look just as good in six years as it does now. Yeah. It's like, it's flashier and more technical pic- pixel art than we got on like the 16 bit era. But like, it's still very similar. It's very much like a nineties arcade game just like a little prettier in all ways. Like it's like a plus version of 90s arcade graphics. This is April O'Neil, Channel 6 News, and you're watching the Party Wagon Podcast. All right, you guys. So for the main portion of the show, we are going to be talking about the 2007 TMNT movie titled TMNT. So this is actually the first time that I've ever watched this movie. And I know you've seen it a few times. Yes, I've never watched it before. I could never bring (laughs) myself to doing it. It's just like, it's, it's one of these things that's so weird. Like I really do have a phobia of just giving the 2003 series a chance. Like the 2012 one, I I, I know it is, everybody says it is, but it's just really hard for me 
to, I don't know, like, it's hard for me to watch other TMNT stuff. Like, I've never watched Rise. I watched 2012 just because I think it was on Hulu. And, I mean, I just threw it on one day. And after that, I just let it play forever and got kind of into it. But, I mean, even the Michael Bay movies, like, I, I've watched them. But, like, I don't know. I still felt weird about going to watch it. So, like, this upcoming movie is the first time I really have been excited for new Turtle stuff. Like, in the moment in a very long time. But, this movie... I'm very indifferent about it. Like I I'll let you talk a little bit about it, but like, I don't know. I really don't know how I feel. It didn't really wow me, but it wasn't really terrible either. Like I have like the most medium feelings ever about it. <laughs> it I, I totally understand what you're saying because in the two thousands, I, I had that attitude like 2003 cartoon. I watched a bit of it, but I was like, yeah, this is just the edgy, stupid 2000s blocky art style turtle. This isn't real Ninja Turtles. And 2000, the 2007 movie, I refused to even watch it when it came out. I'm like, this isn't Turtles. This is shit. They look like garbage. And like, I was really hard on it. And then when I saw it years later, I still didn't like it. But then I, I, I've seen it about like three times now, I think. Every time I see it, I like it more and more. I really enjoyed it this morning when I watched it again, actually. I, I, I wasn't going to rewatch it for this podcast originally because I just watched it last year. And last year, I liked it quite a bit. I was like, oh, this is a lot better than I gave it credit for in the past. And I honestly, I don't think they look like shit. Mikey looks like shit. But I don't think anyone else really looks like shit. I have no problem with the art style. It takes a second to warm up to. But I think it's fine and looks great in the action. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I like this one more and more every time I see it. There's still a lot of problems I have with it but I think it's damn good. And I have a shit ton of notes here. So I'll, <laughs> I will point out the problems, but. All right. So yeah. let's, let's talk about like the style of the movie before we like really get into the plot and stuff like that. So the art, I feel like, or the animation, whatever you want to call it. I feel like it was kind of all over the place. I feel like there was times where I'm like, wow, this looks pretty damn good for 2007. And then there's other times where I'm like, this looks very 2007 to me. I think when you the movie first starts off and there's like that fat dude uh like eating the apple the criminal dude he looks like shit and like that's always like a bit of a like eye opener when I first turn the movie it's a little hard to get into the movie like ooh this looks rough like this looks really rough and by the way just side note Leonardo totally murders that dude. he straight up just kills him oh yeah that, that fat dude is dead yeah <laughs> but. Yeah, like it, it takes me a while to get into it because I'm like, oh, this art is kind of rough. But then the more I watch it, as long as I don't have to see Michelangelo's face, um, it doesn't really bother me that much. Even at first, like Leo's face bothers me a little bit until like once I'm like five minutes in, I don't care and I'm just in the movie. But yeah, then there's some scenes like when Raph and Leo are fighting in the rain and the water's pouring out of it. It looks freaking amazing. For yep. That's exactly the, what I was thinking of when I was watching. Yeah, so when Raph's the Night Watcher, there's a scene where he's on the ledge when it's raining and it looks beautiful. Like it looks yeah. almost like realistic in a way, <laughs> the way the water is bouncing off him and the shine he has on like his armor and stuff like that. But then there's another scene that's a little bit later in the movie where they're all standing around. I can't remember if they're in the sewer layer. It's when everybody, or they might be in April's apartment. Like the characters just look so detached from the background and the things around them. You know what I mean? Like I just, yeah. I feel like there was a lot more put into the characters than there was the background and the props around them a lot of times. 
Uh, I guess it, I think it depends on the scene because I feel like it definitely any, does. Anytime they're on the rooftops, this movie Those looks look great. Yes, fucking amazing. I yep. think like the way they did the lighting, the way the brown, the brick, everything about it, the kind of like rusty coloration, it really just has it like screams TMNT. It looks a lot mm-hmm. like it just instantly basically makes me think of the Mirage comics, like the early Mirage comics when they're on the rooftops. Like it just looks like that. Like it yep. looks like oh, these are the same rooftops that we were introduced to the turtles on and everything. So it's like they nailed the TMNT vibe on the rooftops, I think. But you're right. When they're in like a well-lit like environment, like when they're at winter, when the Casey and April are at like winter's building during the day, we begin the movie, like bringing the statue in, you can really notice how rough some of the, the, the movement and the backgrounds and stuff are, I think, there. Because the more well-lit it is, the, the less they can hide the cheapness, I guess, yep. of the animation, but. Yeah, and you're right. Like all of the best scenes in this movie, outside of the ending of the movie, are on the rooftops. Like that's where yeah. all the best animation is. That's just where all the best. I mean, plot line even is to me. Like that's just yeah. all the most exciting stuff right there. And like I said, I do just feel like they maybe put a little bit more into some scenes than others. And but again, this was 2007. You know what I mean? This is still very early in the going full CGI days. I was surprised it was made by Warner Brothers. I didn't remember that until the Warner Brothers logo came up at the beginning. And I was like, oh, wow, Warner Brothers making a Ninja Turtles movie? But I think that, that was before the Viacom uh, acquisition, I'm pretty sure. So so I don't know what the situation is, but that there's a new five-pack that just came out that's at Walmart. And it's made by Warner Brothers. So I think Warner Brothers owns the rights to, I think, their first five movies or something like that. Oh, you know that makes the first sense. four movies and the Batman movies. I think Warner Bros. has the rights to those five movies now. I think oh, they War- bought out New Line. Warner Brothers owns Batman, but yeah, that I was just gonna say they own all the Freddy Krueger movies. Those are all New Line. Yep, they bought out New Line. That's what oh. happened. Then. Okay, so yeah, they, okay, that makes sense. So, <clears throat> so you want to just don't jump into the movie and just? I, I guess we can just go down through. Yeah, like, I mean, we definitely can. Yeah. So, and again, I'm I'm not gonna just completely shit on this movie the whole time, but. <laughs> Right off the bat, I feel like the movie has a very, very slow start. Like I, t- I feel like it took kind of a long time for it to really get going. My first note is literally just in huge letters: too much intro exposition. Yeah, because we get Lawrence Fishburne telling us the origin of the Ninja Turtles. Then he quickly tells us that they defeated this guy named Shredder. Which also there's a big problem with this movie. They they do expect you to know about the Ninja Turtles. Like if you. If you went into this a turtle virgin, like you didn't know anything about Ninja Turtles, you'd have no fucking clue what was going on for most of it. So I think it is unofficially a fourth movie, yeah. isn't it? It is, yeah. It's set, kind of, I don't know. Like it because it, it definitely was the actions that happened in the second movie to where Shredder is dead seems to be what's happening now. It is. And they show the scepter from the third movie, they yeah, show exactly. the helmet from the first movie. Like it is explicitly stated within the movie to be connected to those, but marketing wise, they didn't advertise it as that at all. It's really weird. I think like maybe everyone involved in the movie weren't on the same page, but um, it is definitely supposed to be in that world, even though they all, I guess they don't act that different. Actually, I guess they're kind of on, on key with their personalities. Um, Casey Jones is a way more of a man baby than he was in the original, <laughs> but uh yeah, so, so we get the exposition about the Turtles and Shredder. Then it goes into, and 3,000 years ago, there was these Aztec warriors, and they were led by this guy, uh, 
what, what was it like Yowzel or something or something like that? I'm or... never gonna remember the names of any of the new characters, <laughs> so yeah, don't even worry about that. Yowdle, I think it was Yowdle or something. And it's like Winters, his name is Winters, but um, yeah, he like opens a giant wormhole to another dimension and he makes him immortal and it turns his generals into stone and then it, it unleashes eight you know 13 cryptids and they they murder all the 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 armies and then they, they will exist in mankind for the rest of the time so i guess the cryptids are immortal and it's just like it's so much exposition and it's just like damn dude like you're lucky i know who the turtles are all i have to take in is this crazy cosmic aztec story because if i didn't know who the turtles were that's like two weird ass stories like back to back that i have to learn and then later in the movie, April repeats that exact same exposition about the Mayans or Aztecs, yeah. whatever the hell, and like the stone generals and all that stuff. She repeats all of that again at, at her apartment. And it's like, dude, we heard it. That was like the first 10 minutes of the damn movie. Like, can we just can we get on with it? So I think definitely there's there's definitely some some exposition problems. They uh and I think that kind of leads me to it, it it's growing on me, but it's a weird story uh, to be a turtle story. What did you yeah, think of so, it? So that's like what kind of put me off to this movie in general is I knew it has like its own bad guys, its own story. That's not really anything to do with any other iteration of the turtles that's happened since then or before then or any other time. So that kind of put me off at first. And even when I started watching it, I'm like, like there's so many villains that you could put in here like their freaking stable is huge and it was just weird that they decided to go with this alt story yeah like it just it didn't disappoint me as much as i thought it was going to for having brand new original antagonists i i it, it was a lot better than i thought it was gonna be i think uh the first time i watched it i was really mad that they weren't like recurring turtles villains. I was like, you made them generals made out of rock and you didn't make them the rock soldiers. I was like right. so pissed off about that. I was like, they even had to come in contact with another dimension. Like it's dimension X and all this stuff. And, um, but I think the more I watch it, I appreciate it as like, this feels like the kind of weird ass story that would happen in classic Mirage comics. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think watching this so much later I was more accepting of it than I probably would have been if I saw it in 2007 or honestly any time probably up until I did start reading the books and kind of got into my Turtles renaissance because that's the one thing I learned about that series is like it's just all over the place like it's like a sci-fi adventure at this point it's like yeah. a fantasy adventure at another point like it's just all over the place and that's really what the Turtles are and once I really did just start to accept another form of turtles i think it did make me easier to wrap my head around this one but honestly like i don't know i feel like the rock guys were kind of badass like when they were they like were. beating on all the cryptids and stuff like that it was pretty cool especially the really jacked one like when yeah. he grabs that dumpster and just crushes that bat creature i'm like okay this guy's for real yeah yeah they're they're cool villains they're intimidating when the jaguar one starts like chasing after yep. rap and casey that's he's like banging i, know, I the felt door. a little bit of tension there and i mean that that's <laughs> something that, again i was a little bit surprised with because i didn't think i was gonna get much out of this movie i'm like okay like i'm, I'm feeling this a little bit so we we keep mentioning them they don't call them cryptids in the movie but you know one of them the first one they fight is officially called bigfoot and like the little red one that raf fights in the diner is called the jersey devil so it's like I just call them cryptids because I figured that's what it's supposed to be. They're like, oh, this is how these weird monsters got into our world. And they terrorized mankind from that point on. It's like, oh, so like 
this is like you know I don't know the Bunyip or the Loch Ness monster or some yeah. crap or Skinwalkers or something. But the thing is, when you look, because I had to like Google, because I knew it was like Bigfoot and Jersey Devil. But then when I, I Googled it, I'm like, oh, the rest of them are just called like Slashatron and stupid stuff like that. So it's <laughs> like, okay, so only two of them are cryptids. It seems like they had an idea and they didn't go with it. And uh, it's just weird. Like, why are there exactly 13 of them? Why do they come out of the portal? Why do they have to be sacrificed to or put back in the portal to end the curse? It's, it's really weird. And I just feel it's weird that you introduce there are 13 monsters you have to catch and we only get to see like four of them. Yeah. And like you don't introduce a number like that and not let us see it. Like it just seemed kind of weird that we only there's like three scenes that actually involve them. Three of them are like captured in a montage. When I looked at that Google wise, three of them don't even have names and don't even appear. One of them is just a leg you see at one point. And it's like, that's kind of shit. Like you could have, they seem weird. They seem like untapped potential. Like they had an idea, but they didn't develop it. They just threw it in immediately as a MacGuffin kind of thing and didn't really so, iron it out. I'd imagine a lot got left on the cutting room floor because it's only a 90 minute movie, which again, really nice to just watch a 90 minute movie. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean, it doesn't take up why, your whole evening or afternoon, but I, I don't know. It, that This is probably my biggest gripe with the movie is that I feel like they spent way too much time sitting around and talking way too much time focusing on the B plot of the Leonardo versus Raphael and not enough on the main story. Like you're exactly right. Like they barely showed any of these, we'll just keep calling them cryptids, any of these cryptids, (laughs) like they barely shows any of them. Like it barely shows the foot soldiers doing stuff, which are honestly the coolest parts of the movies do. Karai (laughs) is fucking sweet in this movie. So are the foot soldiers. Like, I don't yeah. know, man. I, I like my Karai like Stone Cold. Like she is probably one of my favorite female characters ever. Like, is really? there a bad version of Karai? Like, can you think of a bad iteration of Karai? No. For me, I always I, I like her. I think this movie is one of my favorite Karais. I oh wait, bad inter- iteration of Karai was uh out of the shadows when Vernon knocks her out. That's a bad version of Karai. Um yeah, dude, yeah, I guess yeah, I totally forgot about <laughs> that one. Yeah, she does kind of I found that I I always have found Karai not I don't want to say boring I like the character but I just feel like she always failed in comparison to all the other super interesting Turtles villains it's like and then you have a cool Asian girl with a sword it's like oh that's cool but like we have an alligator man like (laughs) like uh so like I always didn't find her as interesting but yeah she is definitely cool and you're right I can't really think of a bad version oh uh the Last Ronin NECA figure. <laughs> a oh, yeah, that's God, so disappointing. Again, hopefully that's one where pictures aren't doing it justice. Hopefully. Oh. The thing is, though, I, I don't mind too much that we don't get too many of the fantasy action scenes and stuff, because I think one of the biggest appeals to this version of the Turtles is that we, we're seeing the Turtles grow up. I think that's, unfortunately, this movie didn't click. But I think it was actually, if it had clicked and a lot of people our age watched it, it would have been kind of cool because it feels like you aged up with like your childhood superheroes. Like they're all getting jobs now for the first time and like just working boring adult lives. And we just started doing that at that time. Like it was 2007. Like we were just out of high school. You know, we were getting our first like, you know, long, like full-time jobs and stuff. And uh, 
I, I just think it kind of did. You have the whole story of Casey, like he's an adult now, he's in a relationship, but like he he has to act more like an adult. He's like still too much like a kid. It's like it appeals to like people in their early 20s, this movie, I kind of think. And uh even the way they have like retro arcades in their their uh their lair and everything, right. it's like they're still kind of like attached to their childhood, but they have to move on. They're growing up. I do really like the stuff with Raph and Leo in this movie. Uh, I think it steals a bit too much attention. Like Don almost doesn't exist in this movie, but I, I do like the the stuff with with Raph and Leo. I do think like they might do the best job with their rivalry. I think I've ever seen in a version of the turtles in this movie. And I'll get to it more when we talk about their fight scene later on. But uh, I don't know. I, again, the first time I watched this movie, I was hard on it. I was like, it sucked. It didn't have anything turtles. But like, <laughs> I go back and watch it. I'm like, they did a lot with the, the characters. Like, they didn't do that. Again, Mike and Don don't really do much, especially Don. But, like, the characters who do get attention, they get a lot of development. And they it's believable with development, too. Um, yeah, so... Like, like you said, it's all really focused on Leo and Raph, though, because it's funny that you think Don got the least amount of shine, but I only remember Mikey having, like, five lines throughout the whole movie, and then I remember him skateboarding in the sewers and on the half pipe, and that stuff's really cool, but, like, I feel like they did nothing with Mikey at all. At least Don was doing smart guy stuff here and there, but, like, it, it's just very weird how imbalanced it felt as far as the Turtles, and, like, and again, that that's just kind of something that bothered me about the first part of the movie too, is like they're all kind of broken up and not really together. And that's like what makes the turtles turtles is their dynamic. And yeah, Raph always goes out and does his own thing. He does that shit. But the other three are always pretty tight together. And like, it just, it really feels like the band's kind of broken up here. Yeah, which is it's actually funny as a side note that you think Mikey got the least amount because if you look, I put the DVD cover down there in the uh, the, the graphics this week, and he is all you see on the cover right? of the DVD is like Mikey. <laughs> um, I think Mikey he had more he had a bunch of jokes like when the time they're in action scenes, he's cracking jokes a lot and stuff, and like you, I I just feel like he's the one standing there listening to Splinter talk to Raph at the end, and when Raph you know hands in his uh night watcher helmet which actually i thought looked like uh tom from toonami you remember that little guy used right oh to... <laughs> <laughs> like mike comes up with his joke with like the helmet and everything his mask and everything it's like i i just feel like mike was there for like a punchline every now and then was like don was there in like three scenes in the movie i feel <laughs> like i don't know um but yeah i, I do kind of like that they're broken up because again it kind of i guess it's depressing but it's kind of realistic that like when you get older and you have to get jobs and like everyone does kind of go their own way and like their glory days are kind of behind them. And obviously they come back, they get, it's like, they get back together. Like it's almost like a getting the band back together movie. Yeah. But like, um, I think the weirdest part is just like, they tell us that like Leo was sent to central America for training to become a better leader. I don't know what the hell that training instruction was like, just go to the jungles of Central America. You'll become a better leader. He's not leading anyone, though. He's just like, you become a better leader by leading your tricks. Right. <laughs> and then, like, April just happened to be in Central America also. And Yeah, uh, it seemed a little coincidental there. <laughs> like, of all the places in the world you could be, really. Uh, well, I actually have a, a note here that just straight up says, April looks like a Bratz doll. And... Uh, I think that's true. <laughs> and I also want to say it's weird when Leo 
So he meets April and she like convinces him, like, you know, uh, you should go back. And then he like teleports away, basically. He doesn't teleport, but he basically teleports away. He just fucking leaves her in like a ditch, like 50 feet in the ground in the Amazon. Like, how the hell did she get out of there? Like, <laughs> you just left her for dead. So that was kind of weird. But yeah, I, I kind of like that the story is like that they are a little broken up. It's a little more realistic. Like, Raph he does have this like self-righteous kind of attitude that like he knows he's still going out there and fighting crime. He knows he's doing it without the help of his team that like, he's thinking like, you know, I can do this on my own. And uh, Leo and Raph are both like so flawed that I think they're both, you can see it from both angles. I think this movie is definitely Raph's movie. It's through Raph's point of view, which most of the movies are. Um, but uh, they, they do a really good job of you can see how they're both flawed and they both have to realize that they're flawed. Like Leo's such an arrogant schmuck at points in the movie and Raph is like just so jealous and so bitter and stuff. And I think like it feels believable when they get over like what 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 their flaws, they, when they realize what they're doing in this movie. I think it's very believable. Like and again, like they feel older. They don't feel like teenagers because I think that's even why they just called it TMNT. If you'll notice in the movie, they never call them teenagers once. Yep. Um, even at the end, when they're saying, like, we are this, we are that, when they shows them hopping around the city, they don't say, we are the teenage mutant initials. It says, we are ninjas or something. Because I think they're supposed to be, like, in their 20s in this movie. Because it's clearly, like, the 1991s, but now, like, you know, the 2000s. So, yeah, I don't know. I like that, honestly. I like the that they're a little broken up, that they're not just, like the you know turtles three turtles right at the beginning of the movie but yeah so i think you nailed it with that right there like raf and again because raf got so much character development i i really feel like he is exactly the kind of person i was in my early mid-20s like just strong-headed i thought i was the best at everything i couldn't understand why anybody else would have something better than me when i should have that like just very like he did play that role very well to where his own pride just really like was in his own way you know what i mean like they did do a very 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 good job with that and you're right i definitely do feel like they feel like they're in their 20s with their jobs and raf he's he's not really an angsty teenager he seems like a pissed off chip on his shoulder person in their mid-20s with too much fucking testosterone running through their body (laughs) that they don't know how to control like that's exactly how he felt and yes i have related to that before in my life side note on that one though why is raf Always have a New York accent, but none of the other turtles do, but they all live in New York. It's that way in every damn movie. It is. I guess the weirder thing is how come in some iterations of the turtles, Michelangelo has a Californian accent. Right? Even weirder. Raph has the attitude. When you think of New York, you think of, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely like a New York cliche for sure. Even though I don't love how much time they spent on Raph and Leo, he definitely does get a good character portrayal in this one for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think all the care, the character writing went into those two guys. So yeah, when we start meeting the turtles, they kind of have like a splash screen for each turtle and we meet each one. I find it really weird that back to back in Donnie scene and in Raph scene, we get a playing hard to get joke in both of them. So like Don's doing tech support 
and he's talking to a woman that he thinks is a man, but um, he's all doing. He's like, she's like, just try turning it on and off again and stuff. And someone he has to tell her, she's like, no, I'm not playing hard to get. Like he thinks like, like they're asking him like weird questions and stuff. But then the next scene, Raph is chasing a criminal. He's like, oh, playing hard. I love when they play hard to get and stuff. It's like, you just said that line. And then when you read Weinstein Company at the beginning, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a little weird now. But <laughs> Yeah, so another thing I found weird is like, so Mr. Winters, he's the, you know, the immortal guy from uh, 3,000 years ago. He's played up like he's going to be the main villain. Like we're supposed to think he's sinister. And then it's supposed to surprise us at the end of the movie that like he's good and he's trying to put an end to the curse. But in the intro exposition, they tell us that he had to live in his sorrow and misery forever and that he like that he was sympathetic and stuff. So it's like they kind of spoil it, I think, right at the beginning of the movie. Like, I, I, I don't think anyone's really expecting him to be evil when they're watching because they kind of already told us that he's miserable. So I don't know. I, I found that a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I didn't really see his like like I I didn't really know what there, that was going to happen until all the stone dudes turned heel. Then it's like, okay, they're they're definitely this is where this movie's going now. So that one, I'm not going to say it surprised me, but it definitely didn't slap me in the face that he was going to have this like, "Oh, I was trying to really save everybody and I hate being immortal." <laughs> I have another note in here that just says Splinter watches the Gilmore Girls. I didn't catch that, I think, because I know he says, like, I, have to, I watch my stories and stuff. And he's like, Dave and Brenda are definitely going to break up or whatever the hell he says. I don't remember the names. But I caught it this time. They said, like, Gilmore Girls would be interrupted for this news board. And I'm like, <laughs> I hated that show. I, I didn't watch it. But I remember my mother and my sister when I was in high school, that was like their bonding thing is they would watch that together every Tuesday night. I hated that show. And I'm like, Splinter watches that? No. <laughs> so it's really funny because Lacey just started watching that show too. And yeah, dude, it's just the weirdest show in the world, man. They do not talk how any humans in the world talk they're, ever. Like, there's no so sarcastic. It's, it's so a, fast and quippy and whippy all yeah. the time. Like, they're so yeah. sarcastic. They, they kind of did that in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I did like. But like, the show was kick ass enough where you didn't notice it. But like, Gilmore Girls is like, it gives you a headache, that show. <laughs> like, they're so quippy and they're so fast. It's like, no one's that clever. No one can just right. think of quips that fast. But apparently Splinter catches up, keeps up with it, so he likes it. Um, so I'm glad you brought up the news because that's one of the things that I did have in my notes, too, and I didn't even pull them up because I wrote down so very few notes. But really when we're talking about, like, the realistic tone of this movie, the first time, I think, I can't remember if it's Splinter or Casey's watching the news, but it talks about it's 2007 and it talks about how the housing crisis is getting worse. And right before this is right before that recession hit in 2008. So yeah. it's really funny that they're putting like real world drag into this movie. And if you weren't there, you wouldn't realize that that's really what was happening in the news at the time. Yeah. It's weird. Cause that you're right. That is like, something that was happening then that like if young people today watch it they're not gonna know they're gonna think it's the current housing issue <laughs> like if, if you watch it now they're not gonna know that that was like a relevant news topic topic at the time but i was gonna say about the newscaster he's, he's voiced by billy west who i don't know if you know who that is he did like stimpy and yeah. doug from like doug and everything he does fry from futurama yep. and stuff and he does the newscaster. I loved hearing that. Like Jim Cummings is like a police chief at some point, and 
Kevin Michael Richardson is like uh, the main general uh, who first turns heel. And uh, it's just cool to hear voice actors in movies. Cause like, you know, these days there's a lot of them, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller, speaking of Buffy is, is uh, April. And um, so before we get too far from that one, Chris Evans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, cause I want to talk about some of the voice actors too. Sarah Michelle Geller. I cannot not hear her as Sarah Michelle Geller. I don't know why, no matter what she was in, because she just played Tila in yeah. that Masters of the Universe series. Um, and there was another thing I just watched that she did a voice in too, and she just sounds so Sarah Michelle Geller in everything she's in. She does, yeah. She's she's Buffy. She'll always be Buffy to me, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess for some people she's Daphne, but uh from the Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, uh, it, but I do like that, you know, obviously they have their big name actors in there, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, who really isn't a big name anymore. She really just does voice acting. Um, but at the time she was big and, uh, you know, Chris Evans, actually, he wasn't big yet at the time. Yeah, that's the one that really blew my mind when I looked at the casting for this. Like, I could not, yeah. this had to have been one of the first things he did, like, because I, or I guess, okay, hang on. He was Human um, Torch already. Yep, he was Human Torch, and then uh, not another teen movie had coming out. Before oh this shit, movie. I forgot about. So I think I that's the movie that. that put him like kind of kicked off his career. Yeah, I forgot um, he was in that. Yeah, yeah, he's got the jet black hair, so you always forget that it's him. Yeah. He was yeah, in uh, like, Scott Pilgrim, also. You know what? I've never actually seen Scott Pilgrim. Before. Oh really? Yeah. I- I'm not going to comment because people love that movie. And that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get more people to hate us. Um, <laughs> you're probably going to be mad at how much I've already hated on TMNT. Um, I don't know how many people like this one. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's an age thing because um, Briar Shin, one of my subscribers, like he was really stoked on this movie and he really likes the 2012 series too. And he definitely says, he's like, it's definitely an of my age type situation. So I can understand that you don't get it how I get it. So. Yeah, I feel like it, it It did. It definitely didn't miss with the people that are probably a decade younger than us. But back to the voice actors, the biggest one, Winters, is Patrick Stewart, which is like a huge <laughs> gift for this movie, I feel like. Yeah, that's the biggest name they have for sure. I almost wonder, well, actually, Mako is not as big as Patrick Stewart, but Mako does uh, Splinter. And, you know, he was in like uh, Conan the Barbarian. He was like yeah. a narrator. He had, uh, Samurai Jack, he's Aku. Uh, so, like, you have, he, like, he's done a lot of stuff yeah patrick store i almost feel like they got patrick store and then they wrote a villain around him (laughs) yeah uh but i do like hearing that there's actual voice actors in it too because like you know you get your billy west and your jim cummings and it's like in in modern movies you don't get that anymore even in like the 90s even when disney was you know putting robin williams and you know nathan lane and stuff in their movies like they still in pocahontas they still had jim cummings doing like half the native americans and stuff so it's like Today, it's just like you get a, like an animated movie and it's just a giant freaking list of A-list celebrities. Yep. And it's like, it's just like they, they, they can do good jobs. Jack Black did a great job as Bowser, but like no, they're never going to do as good a job as a, a designated voice actor can. And uh, well, I mean, just think about back in the day, like how many gigs those guys worked. Like Rob Paulson was in every cartoon ever man dude he he if you watch old cartoons there's so many times i'm like that's rob paulson that's rob paulson that's rob paulson like it's crazy how much stuff he was in and you're right same thing with billy west like he did literally 50 percent of the voices on nickelodeon probably (laughs) he did yeah 
Nickelodeon. Yeah, he did it. Even anything they're in, they do multiple voices. Yeah. And Trace McNeil, she did like every female character in the freaking 90s and stuff. Like there was just certain uh, Cree Summer, certain voice actors. They were just in everything back yeah. then. I don't know if there's voice actors to that level anymore. I think Tara Strong still does well. But uh, I don't know how many of the classics still get like, I don't know if there is like a new team of voice actors like there was in the 90s. The 90s, there was like a voice acting scene. Yeah. But I don't know if there really is anymore because they're giving all the jobs to Seth Rogen and Jerry Seinfeld or whoever the fuck will take it. So, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense too, because I mean, there's just not nearly as many movies and live action stuff being made that it was and all these stuff or all these shows that hit like Netflix and stuff. A lot of it's no name actors. You know what I mean? Yeah. When these series blow up, it's usually a bunch of no names and then that's how they make their name. So it is just a whole different ball game now. And you're right. I said that this was pretty early in CG, but I mean like Pixar and DreamWorks had been doing stuff way before yeah. this and clearly they were the pinnacle, but they've always kind of thrived on that concept too, to where they've always had huge stars for yeah. their movies typically like they, they will have their their voice actors in there but for the most part like a dreamworks or a pixar movie is almost all celebrities and i feel like now that so many things are animated that's probably wise because that's the way they did it so i feel like all the other studios feel like well if dreamworks and pixar are getting all these celebs that's what we have to do now yeah definitely i think like disney started it in the renaissance because like you look at like uh you know like so Aladdin, they did the genie. That was a huge success. I think that kind of changed things. Cause then like the Lion King, they're almost all big names like James Earl Jones and yep. like, um, you know, Mr. Bean is Zazu and everything. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson and stuff. And it's like, you, like they're all Jeremy Irons. They're all just these big names, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And, uh, but even then, like, you know, like I said, Pocahontas afterwards had Jim Cummings and stuff, but now it seemed like it was kind of like, you know, turning people onto the idea of like, oh, that made a lot of money when they did that. Like, because at that yeah. time, Lion King was the highest grossing animated film of all time. So I think like then Pixar, they're like, okay, we're going to go crazy. We're going to get Tom Hanks and we're going to get Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah, Tim Allen. We're going to get all these big name celebrities and stuff. And uh, and then I think Shrek just took it to like the whole other level of just yeah. like every single voice is a humongous actor. Jonathan Lithgow and all like all, all these just giant names and they like every sequel just got more and more Antonio Banderas and stuff. And uh, it just, that's just when you got like that ending screen that just lists like boom, 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 like right. all the celebrities. And it's like, cause I think they realize like, okay, adults will come for the celebrities. And uh, now it's, they just do it. Not even remembering why they do it. <laughs> so, uh, right. And we'll say though, Kamek in the Mario movie was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, an actual voice actor who does the general in this. I thought he was one of the best voices in the whole movie. I thought he was great. He did like an yeah. Igor kind of voice, like a uh, Peter, not Igor, actually, like a Peter Laurie kind of voice. Yeah. And uh, I really liked it. He did a good job. But anyway, back to this movie. I will say, when it comes to the humor in this movie, I don't think anything actually made me laugh. Uh, there's a lot one. of humor. There's more than I always think there is. And it is it is kind of true to the 87 cartoon. Like Mike and Raph will make a lot of stupid quips and stuff and jokes like while they're fighting. And even though I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a bad one. As I think about it, I'm like, that's the kind of shit they would have said back in the 87 cartoon. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Did you think the humor was good or did it feel like 
So I, I didn't think it was terrible. There, there was only one laugh out loud moment for me, and it's not like I just had freaking from the gut laugh. But when they're in the high speed chase where Casey, April, Karai, and the foot soldier <laughs> are in that van. Okay, so there's yeah. a couple things in that scene that actually did make me laugh. So and Karai's like, you think they'd be more worried about this thing chasing us right now because they're just arguing. That made me laugh because again, yeah. just thinking about Karai just being this like stone cold assassin just driving around with this couple arguing like. I don't know. Like, like I said, I really like Cry. I like how dry and no nonsense she is. And then when they got back to there and they crashed the van and Cry pushes April out, but then this foot soldier pushes Cry out. I don't know why, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. The, the setup yeah, is definitely That's really funny. the only scene I remember. I'm like, okay, that was a pretty funny run. I think the scene they banked on to be funny that to me just feels so forced is the Jersey devil scene in the, in the diner with Raph where plays like, Whoa, black Betty, bam, a lamb. And, it's yeah, like, and it wasn't even the original version of black. Yeah. Betty. Like, this movie has a really weird score. Like it's, it's, it's almost like it could be good, but it's just not, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty two thousands. It's pretty yeah. like, I'll, I'll get to that in a bit, like how 2000s this movie is. Yeah, I, I don't know. That scene, I remember like it was all in the marketing. The trailers all showed the Jersey Devil scene. The official website, I remember because I was looking at like old toy stuff. But when I go on the Turtles site, they'd have posts about this, you know, this new movie. Because this is around the time I was getting back into the toys. They have like little like animated gifs of him like dancing on the They really wanted this Jersey Devil thing to become like the Pikachu of this movie, like the yeah. minions of this movie. And I don't think anyone gave a shit about it, but um, it just, it's so, it feels so forced, but it's, it's, I mean, maybe if I saw it as a kid, I would have laughed my ass off. I, you know, I'm looking at it as a cynical adult, but right. to me, that just feels like they were really banking on that scene. But like, it comes out of nowhere that the audience isn't familiar right. with what this thing is. And like, it's, it's not really that cute. It's kind of ugly. So it's like, I don't know. I, I just don't think it really like landed the way they thought it was going to land. No, but that scene did set up probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yes. So I know you're <laughs> chomping at the bit to talk about this. So yeah. So let's talk about like the rooftop action scenes. And this is definitely one of the best ones is the fight between Raph and Leo. Yes, this is. I think most people who like this movie agree this is the highlight of the whole film. I don't know if I can say it's the best animation in the film because the final battle has some really cool animation. And I just really like the first shot of them in like silhouette with the white eyes on the rooftops in the mm -hmm. beginning. That's really cool. It has amazing animation. Like I said earlier, the rain looks really good, but it's it's such a good scene in like looking into like who Raph and Leo are and like why they hate each other and how much they hate each other. But then ultimately how much they actually love each other. And because, uh, you know, Leo doesn't know it's Raph when he starts off. He's just like, who's this yep. Nightwalker clown? Like he's he's stealing our gig, which I still don't really get the idea that he's so against the idea of a vigilante when it's like, that's what it's you so guys hypocritical. Are. And I think that's <laughs> the point it's trying to make is that Leo yeah. is this self-righteous dick. And it's like, dude, you're doing the same thing they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the same thing he is. Exactly. And so he just thinks like, oh, who is this guy? He's like, he's so arrogant. When he's fighting with the chains, yeah. he's just shit talking him so much. He eventually knocks Raph's helmet off his, you know, Toonami Tom head helmet. <laughs> and uh, he sees it's Raph. And it seems like Leo wants to stop there. He's like, Raph, don't, don't do this, Raph. But Raph's like, you know, he's freaking pissed at that point. Because he's like, like, Leo just destroyed his whole persona here, this whole thing. So, uh you feel the rage in Raph in this scene. Raph is 
fucking pissed in the yeah. scene. He uses his side uh, side correctly for the first time. He, he breaks Katana. Breaks the swords, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then Raph wins the fight. Raph gets like the what would be the finishing blow on on Leo. So Raph actually beats Leo in this fight. And when Raph sees that he's like you know, inches away from potentially murdering his own brother. That's when, like, he kind of breaks down and, like, gets a step back. It's like, whoa, what the hell am I doing kind of thing. And, uh, and then, obviously, then Leo gets kidnapped afterwards and stuff, and he hears him scream. And, like, Raph having to go back to, to Splinter, it reminds you of when you do something really bad as a kid, and you're, like, terrified of your parents. When you hear the yep. carport, you're like, oh, should I have to tell them now? Oh, should I have to tell them now? And, like, when he comes in, he's like, Master Splinter, I did something real bad. And he just brings out the two katanas. It's like, oh, shit. Like, you feel that. Like, oh, man, that's yeah. hard to tell your dad that, like, I beat the shit out of my brother. And now he got captured by the bad guys because of me. But, yeah, the scene does so much. Because I think, like, so many movies, you know, they have the characters have a falling out. And then five minutes later, they're just like, so you want to be friends again? And stuff like every modern Disney movie does that. Moana did that. And Zootopia did that and all where it's like. You have a falling out just to, because the, the plot says it has to happen now. Where I think this movie, they that's the main plot. They build to it the whole film. And Raph's getting, Raph is getting angrier and angrier. And Leo is getting more and more arrogant. And in this moment, they both kind of erupt. And I guess it's kind of the equivalent of like having an argument with a loved one. But in here, they're actually beating the shit out of each other. It takes that for them to realize that like like they're both just acting out of their insecurities and they're both just being like, like petty and, and jealous and everything. And I think Raph like then does realize that like, obviously, yeah, he realizes that Leo should be the leader, but like they tried to do that in like the Michael Bay movies and it just didn't come off like it genuine, like it does here. I think here there's so much heart into it. I think it's like, there's so much emotion into it that I feel it was so much more than I do in other versions of the turtles. It comes back to, I can really understand where Raph, is what he's going through here because I also have had to fuck up so bad in my life that that's what it took for me to realize the shit that I was doing is stupid. You know what I mean? So I really do get that in that same situation to where you realize you just fucked up so bad and you would give anything to go back 30 seconds and change what you just did and yeah. you can't. And now you're sitting there with that guilt of, I have to now live with what the fuck I just did. Like in, Exactly. Like it, it does such a good job of him going from this like maniac, adrenaline driven, out of control, freaking vigilante to like literally ready to cry in front of his dad, essentially. You know what I mean? So it is. It's yeah. just that it's that emotional roller coaster you do when you're you're just your brain isn't fully developed yet, but your emotions and hormones are like it's I definitely you, you are correct. That is by far like the the biggest heartfelt moment in the movie for sure yeah it's like it's weird because it's the most heartfelt moment but it's also probably the most badass moment also it's yeah. like you get your badass macho scene but then you get your emotional scene also and it's like it, i don't know i think it's i think it's great it's definitely the highlight of the movie and i have heard some people mock the fact that people say like oh the, the leo and raphite's the best or like yeah 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 it's not that great actually but like no i think it is great actually i think it is a really good scene so yeah and it's animated really well because again it, it is the darkness in the rain i feel like that just gives it that extra edge and in the fact that the rain is animated so well it doesn't look 
I feel like water is one of the hardest things to animate yeah. correctly. And even for 2007, it looks pretty damn good. It looks really good. Like just the way it like makes everything glossy, the way it yep. hits, like that's such a hard texture to get right. And they got it right. And then you have like the big red like cola lights like there. Like I think it says yep. like red eye cola or something, but you kind of have like a little bit of red flashing on everything. So it just looks really cool. But I think it's done tastefully. I think a lot of movies now when they use like color correction, even then they were doing it a lot. We're like, you know, like triple X and all those action movies, they were like all desaturated green or like all yep. desaturated blue. This is like a good balance of color, but there's just a little hint of red just to make it like a little more like, like fury, like a little more fury to the scene. And that's uh, yeah. yeah, an amazing scene. I think it's great. I think yeah. it's, uh, this is like I said, this is not, one of my top favorite turtles movies ever, but I will say that this is one of the best moments in a turtle movie, I think. So in, and again, so this is where like, I'm like, where I'm like, I'm super medium on this movie because there's parts that are awesome. And then there's parts that I'm just like, okay, this is dragging a little bit. And like I said, the movie starts slow, but from the end of the second act through the third act, like it just takes off as soon as Raph gets back there, talks to splinter. And then one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Splinter's like, all right, like, we're not going to fix this. I'm going with you guys to fix it. You know what I mean? Like, we're all going together. Like, we're we're all going to do this. And that's, I always want to see Splinter in action because especially in this one, I, w- I didn't know how I felt about him at first. I feel like he was, like, extra reserved. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I prefer a reserved Splinter to a crazy one, even though, like, the one from, like, the 87 cartoon, he was rever- reserved sometimes, but then he does the curly technique, you know what I mean? So, I, I, I was like, okay, I, I don't know how I feel about this splinter, but then he's like, alright, I'm going with you guys to fuck shit up. I'm like, okay, I like this splinter a lot right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because at the beginning, he almost seems like Rise Splinter, who's just, like, some goofball idiot who, like, sits around and watches TV. And it's like... I guess not. He's he's like that in the breakfast scene, but aside from that, he's pretty serious the rest of the movie, yeah. actually. He's, he's very short-spoken for the most part, I feel like. Yeah, he's like your generic, like, kung fu, pai mei, like, yep. master character. Like, there's no way he could know something, but he just knows it somehow. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, I do think it is it's always cool to see like okay we got to bust out splinter like at the end of this like, like shit got so serious splinter's got to have to come and kick some ass uh and you see him kick some ass and i love there's a point where he's like knocking the monster back into the portal he's like yep still got it and stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah and speaking of uh you know we talked about raf a lot but while i think casey's a bit too much of a man baby in this movie that is kind of his plot. He has to learn to grow up, but also I think the dynamic of Raph and Casey, the friendship of them is so cool. They're such cool bros. Like, Yeah. That's again, always one of my favorite bromances is the Raph and Casey relationship. Like they just work so well together because being somebody that's kind of like a loner type, like it's cool that they're both loner types, but together yeah. they're a pair. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. just really cool that they like found each other like that. And they're both like the same exact hot headed testosterone driven asshole. Like I just, that's, they just really are like a perfect duo. They're not even foils for each other. They're literally the same exact dude. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. And again, Casey, I feel like is another thing that I'm very mid on. I don't hate his character in this one, but I don't love him. The one thing I do like is when he gets the metal mask. I don't know why yeah. I really like that. 
And I like how April gets to be badass at the end. She puts on that yeah. ninja getup and she's got the sword. Like that, I didn't see that coming. I was pretty stoked on that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, the only thing I'll say is, well, the the metal mask reminds me of Jason X, which isn't cool, but the metal mask was cool. <laughs> um, but I, it is really cool to see April like kick ass. And it was cool that she's like a ninja now too. Because like, yeah, if you're hanging out with the Ninja Turtles and Casey Jones this long, you probably know how to kick some ass, right? But the fact that they show her holding her own against Karai when they first get there kind of pissed me off. Like, no, Karai can murder April. Get that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that was like a little like, eh, I call bullshit on that one. But it was still cool. Yeah, because again, getting back to Karai, like, I know the thing you said you didn't like about her is she's just is very plain and ordinary. But like, that's what I like about her. She's just some little girl that bangs with all these freaking mutants. You know what I mean? Like, she can that hold really dirty with all these other characters and and like like i said she's just like stone cold she's ruthless like she doesn't i don't know she never has any of those weaknesses they give female characters a lot like she is yeah. a straight up badass and she's never simping for no dudes like she's just i don't know like i i, I really like karai in this one i think it, probably the the version of karai that they made the most like still she's still a badass but um the one where she seems the most like she has those female character tropes is the 2012 version. Yeah. But uh, again, that was definitely toned down for kids for sure. Yeah. And, and, and definitely like, cause, cause Leo is really in love with her in that one, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's super in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then she gets turned into the snake bitch. Is that the one is, yeah. is that what she gets turned into? Yeah. It's like a purple or snake. She gets turned into, I can't remember. She's a snake. Yeah. Snake. Yeah. Yeah. Purple um, snake, yeah. So, yeah, I guess in that one, she is a little bit, she does have those, like, female tropey tendencies. But, and again, I like in this one how she teamed up with the Turtles at the end. Like, I just, I, yeah. I don't know. I like that dynamic a lot. And I really liked the foot soldiers in this one. I really liked the way they were designed. Like, it's foot soldiers are, I don't know, they're they're always kind of the same, but always have their own feel. And I don't know if it was the bright red eyes that I really liked on this one, but I, I just really liked these foot soldiers and I don't know why. I thought it was cool the way they, they move. Like she would like just point, point and yep. they would like, whoo, they, they just yeah. like, they just moved. Like they were like a gust of wind or something. Like, <laughs> they were badass. And I like that, even though they all kind of look the same, when you see them all standing together, there's like bulkier ones and like skinnier ones and shorter yeah. ones. And tall. Like there are differences between them. So I, I'm guessing because, you know, this is based in the 1990 world. I guess now these are maybe adults, these foot soldiers. Like they grew, they were teenagers and now they, they've been foot their whole lives. And because uh, they're not robots, I don't think, even though they have. No, they're definitely on. people in this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess some of those kids, they. They stayed true. They they kept hanging out. Even when Shredder was gone, they kept hanging out in that little weird skateboard park indoors. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> also, I will say in the final battle, since we're talking about that, uh, they did the like the you know like the portal in the sky trope that like every everybody makes fun of, like Avengers did it, and like every yeah. movie does, like the big beam going into the sky. This movie did that before it was cool. They actually did it before like anyone else was doing it. So props on them for doing the portal in the sky first probably not first but you know before yeah, i can't marvel. remember one that i've seen before that <laughs> it was like before marvel made it something you had to put in every movie right so they, they do a weird thing speaking of uh karai in the final battle they, they they after the final battle 
they tease a sequel with the shredder. Yep. Cause she mentions that like someone's still alive that they're going to have to meet with or something. And they're like, you don't think she means the shredder. And it's like, till next time kind of thing but yeah, because they don't even say it though i don't even think they say shredder do they i think he says you don't think she means and then i think that's all he says they might i think maybe mikey whispers shredder or something maybe okay. i'm wrong maybe they, maybe like i just put that in there myself because i know it's shredder they're talking yeah. about <laughs> but again she also just says someone from your past and you assume it's shredder yeah. but it could be something different too no. so but again we're never gonna know and that's that was like my final thought that I had on this movie is that it sets up the sequel and we'll never know what the idea <laughs> was for it. And that bothers me a lot. So, you know, there actually was a, like a script that like a, a old turtle dent covered it years ago. I remember okay. that uh, there was going to be a sequel and it was actually going to be about Mikey joining the foot clan and really? like Mike kind of going to the dark side and then having to get brought back. Uh, but that got shelled, obviously. Like, they couldn't make anything out of this. And I think they did have big plans. They might have even wanted to make an animated series because for the action figure line for this movie, they were like two packs and they'd have like, you know, Leonardo and like whatever, like Karai or something, or I don't remember who they made, but they made a Triceraton toy like in this movie's art style, like as part of this movie's toy line, there is no Triceraton in this movie. No. So I, th I think they even made a shredder toy too. I think there was a shredder. So it's like, they were planning stuff. I mean, we see like a, an artistic interpretation of what shredder would look like in this design, in the exposition at the beginning, they show yeah. him real quick. So like, I think they were planning to make this a bigger turtles universe, but this thing was like DOA. Like it just, it didn't stand a chance. Like I think it just completely bombed like when it came out. Yeah. Which again, I get it because I feel like this was maybe the darkest age of the turtles. I feel like kind of the twilight of the 2003 series before the 2012 series came out was probably about the lowest point in turtle popularity. So it, it could have been a combination of things of just, the movie not being dynamite itself, but also just interest being probably at an all-time relative low for Turtles. I Yeah, I, I do think if they had just waited like two more years, like if they waited to like 2009, 2010, probably 2010, if they put this out then, it probably would have been huge. Yeah. But I think like, so th that's one thing I like about this movie a lot is when I go back and watch it, it really reminds me of what like the geek culture scene was like at that time where uh honestly 2007 2008 2007 to 2009 were probably my least favorite years personally of my life i don't like who i was then but um i think the war like the geek world was awesome I, I remember like that's when i got into like angry video game nerd and he was like blowing up and he was doing videos about ninja turtles and stuff like that and you know, all these YouTubers started popping up talking about all these, you know, nerdy things. And then Motu Classics came out and all this stuff. And like, like it was starting to be where we, it was starting the modern era of like just celebrating pop culture. And it was like just becoming a thing then. But now, you know, it's all being celebrated for us by corporations. And they tell us to buy their celebrations. <laughs> Back then, like the fans were celebrating all this stuff. 
So I think like that was a really cool time to be like an 80s kid or like a 90s kid. Unfortunately, though, I think this came out a bit too early where like it was starting on YouTube and, and stuff at that time and social media. But like it hadn't gotten to a commercial level yet of cashing in on that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. you know, they tried it in the, two, the early 2000s with like He-Man and Turtles, the new cartoons and those they clicked with younger audiences, but not the OG fans. So, um, which obviously there's, there's exceptions, but most OG fans didn't click. So I think like this was just like a couple years off. If this had just come out like two years later and like the turtle mania nostalgia craze was like in full swing, I think it would have done a lot better, honestly. For me, that area was, I mean, I just graduated high school and I mean, I was just partying all the time. I wasn't really paying attention to like anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wasn't really with, anything outside of like huge blockbuster movies i was going to see and i mean i was watching i was playing video games all the time that was when my call of duty phase and gears of war phase were i mean that's literally all i would do is party and play video games so yeah, yeah. i really I, I again and that's just why to me that's probably my darkest age of my nerd dumb for sure is like my late teens to early 20s like probably 19 to 23 is when yeah. I was like the least connected to all this stuff. I would probably say this. I'd probably say for me, it's probably like, yeah, probably 19 to 23, right? So 19, yeah. 20, 19 to 22 or 23 is probably like, you know, I was still into it, but I wasn't, I was like very casually into it. I was mostly like hanging out with a bunch of losers that I don't even consider friends anymore. <laughs> like, you know, I was, like you said, playing a lot of video games and stuff and like, just kind of enjoying being a quote unquote adult for the first time. Like I wasn't yeah. really paying attention. I wasn't like following new iterations of things from my childhood. Like, like I said, I was like rebuying the old action figures at the time, but it's like, I wasn't following like new turtle stuff. Like I was still yeah. at that time saying the 2003 cartoon was garbage because like, I didn't like anything that wasn't like my thing. I didn't, follow what was coming out on cartoon channels and yeah. stuff like i didn't do any i barely ever saw a movie like you said only if it was a huge blockbuster movie um but yeah so it was a weird release time i think and uh even even though it is a little reminiscent of like the pop culture of the 2000s like you know april looking like a brat doll and uh in the final rap in the end of the movie they reference bebop and rocksteady at the beginning of it oh i didn't even know that they also reference Ugg boots and that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's two thousands. And then like in the song, the song ends where the rappers are like telling yo your mama jokes to each other. And then like earlier in the movie, like Mike tells a your mama joke and everything. And then Don's like, you know, my mom is your mama, Mike. Like, <laughs> but like, it's like all the kind of stuff that was so big in the two thousands. But I think more than that is like, it is a bit more timeless, I think, than some other products of the 2000s where I think it more so tapped into like that, you know, that fandom kind of part of the 2000s where we kids who grew up being fans of all these cartoons in the 80s and 90s were like in our 20s now and we're working jobs and stuff and we're like adults for the first time. So I think in that way it captures that essence of that time of my life, I guess, pretty well because, or at least the life of people whose lives were better than mine <laughs> pretty well, because uh, it does feel like it's kind of made for like, Hey, do you like 
watching angry video game nerd and stuff, here's the turtle <laughs> movie for you when you're in your twenties. But uh, so like, I do like that. It reminds me of that very strongly, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I think the it's yeah, I think it's solid. I don't know. I think it's a good movie, but yeah, I like, for me, like I said, it's very, it's very middle of the road. The good parts are really, really, really good. There just wasn't enough of them and they weren't spaced out enough. Like I feel like if I was rating from the midpoint on, I would give it like an A minus, but then that beginning part is more like a C minus. So I feel like it kind of <laughs> averages out to like C plus B minus for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when I did my ranking, I put it as my number four on my top, like out of the six Turtles movies. It well, it didn't make the top three. I think technically it's a way better movie than Out of the Shadows, though. I put Out of the Shadows on there just because it did so many things I wanted to see as a kid, like Bebop and Rocksteady in a movie and stuff. But like technically as a movie, this movie is way better than Out of the Shadows. Um, but uh, uh, the first two are still always going to be the top two for me. Yeah. But, uh, there's no beating the 1991 for me. But yeah, I think it's good. I think it did actually do mostly what it had to do at that time. I think the only thing it did miss is that I appreciate that it did like a weird zany news story with new characters and villains and stuff. But I think if they really wanted to capture that generation, like, you know, the guys in their 20s who grew up with Turtles as kids they really could have like used Krang or something that would have like brought, brought them in. If, if they had seen Krang or Bebop and Rocksteady or something in the trailers, even Rat King or something, I think it would have brought some of those like eighties, nineties kids into the theaters. Yeah. So it's kind of like a wrong place at the wrong time. And like, not quite what the fan base was, was, the fan, I can't say what the fan base was was hungry for because they weren't hungry for anything at that. Exactly, time. <laughs> like, and that is just the biggest problem I think too. Is wrong, like I said, wrong place at the wrong time, and I mean, just at the, it just couldn't have been more of the wrong time. Like I feel like this probably was about the worst time for a Turtles movie to come out. <laughs> it probably was. Uh, we do have to talk though because last week we we ranked all the turtle designs. Has your placement of the 2006 Turtles designs changed? Do you like or hate them more than you used to? Exactly the same. I feel no <laughs> different. I still do not like these designs. Um, Especially after watching the movie now, like I don't like the way that their bandanas like don't sit snug on their head. Like that oh, wraps yeah. is the worst. I don't know why it's more like a oh, crown like... than it is a bandana. <laughs> like, I don't know that that just really bothers me. And again, to me, they just look, I, like, I just can't stop thinking of Pepe now when I see him, but, but the, their, their bodies, I'll give their bodies more credit than I gave them before, but it's their, their head sculpts are just what I really don't love. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I think Michelangelo's face is horrendous. Um, yeah, and I don't know why does Mikey's head just always have to look the worst. It makes no sense. And again, I think Leo looks the best in this one. I know you didn't really like his face that much, but I think him and Donnie probably look the best. I think he and Raph look the best. I think Leo looks kind of okay in this movie. I think just the turtles' faces in general at first take me a second to get used to, and Leo's the first one you see. Yeah. So that's why I said Leo's face kind of like threw me off. But I actually think Leo's one of the best-looking ones. It's between he or Raph, I think, are the best-looking. One thing that's a bit weird, though, is like Leo has so many like eyebrow forehead wrinkles like above his eyes. Like When he moves his eyes, there's like 
so much wrinklage yeah. <laughs> like they had. Uh, but uh, they don't bother me that much. The designs really only Mikey's. They're a little weird looking. They have those like flat noses and the weird teeth and all. But I don't yeah. know. They don't bother me that much, honestly. I, I've grown to to like them a little more. Except for Mike. Mike is just yeah, still fun for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll say like April's kind of weird looking too. Her body is like. Like someone just grabbed it and like like just she made a rubber, she's like a stretch arm strong or something. Well, yeah, I mean her waist is about this big around, and then I mean she's pretty <laughs> thick with it in the other places. So yeah, very weird proportions on I, her for sure. I feel like Karai's a little more thicked out on the bottom, where I think like April just keeps getting smaller as she goes down. Like she's yeah. like she's like a needle. <laughs> she was weird. Like in Casey's face looks like someone grabbed his chin and yanked on it and like yeah. kind of stretched him out. Like they're they're a little weird. Winters is, has a weird looking face too, but uh, I appreciate they did ambitious character designs though. Because you look at a lot of CG human characters, like the humans in Shrek, look terrible because yeah. they're like they're trying to make them look realistic and stuff, but like they're cartoons. So it's this weird like right. stiff. Like I think at least they tried to give them like cartoony proportions and stuff in this movie. I think I, I applaud them for that. But yeah, I think. Not the best movie by any means, but solid Turtles movie. Exactly. Definitely not the worst. Like I said, for me, it's probably mid-tier. It's probably below all the original movies, but above the um, Michael Bay movies for me, for sure. Yeah. I would say definitely, if you've never watched it, I would definitely say go check it out. It's worth watching. After watching it, I would suggest to anybody to watch it if you haven't. It's definitely worth a go. Again, slow in the beginning, but towards the end, it gets pretty good. Yeah, I don't know what streaming services might be on for free. Maybe nothing. It's nothing? on nothing right now. Yeah, I got it. I rented it on Amazon for three dollars in HD. So yeah, and again, I have the combo DVD, but my DVD player in my living room is broken, so I can't go from one movie to the next. I can just click on whatever movie comes up first, and that's the second one on the DVD. So I would have had to come <laughs> back here to watch it, and I really wanted to watch it in my living room, so I just rented it again anyway. <laughs> And I did a lot too. There's some like, I mean, they're VHSs, but I have them all set up ready to go. There's so many movies I have over there. Like I'll just watch them on streaming on the TV yeah. right over here. Cause it's like, I don't feel like getting up and taking it out and putting it in. But yeah, good movie. Definitely worth a watch. And uh, just, it's kind of an interesting one. Cause it's at, like the weirdest point in turtles history. So yeah. Yeah. All right. All right you guys. guys. Well, that's all we got for this one. So hope you enjoyed it and catch you in the next one. Peace. Peace.